Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bccweb.com. Good morning, and if you're new to VCC, welcome to, to the second service. We had a great first service. The power of God is very much in the meeting, and people's lives are being touched. So we're excited. So if you're just wondering how things are going to unpack, I just want to say it could be very interesting this morning. So why don't we just bow our heads as we start this first, uh, first Sunday of the new series, that God will really speak to us, and, and we'll sense his presence in, in the meeting. Lord God, we... We thank you, Lord, that, Lord, you are just working so many good things out in our lives. Lord, sometimes we lose sight of those things and, and we do our own stuff so often and, and it derails us or it moves us into cul-de-sacs or puts us into strange places. But, Lord, we just pray this morning, God, as, as we open up this new series, that, Lord, uh, discovering your capacity or your God-given capacity for each one of us, I pray, Lord, that we would... Just, just move forward as a church and personally, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm really excited about this series. You know, in the first service, I was starting to get emotional in the service because I was sensing what God's doing uh, in the church. I don't know if you sense it, but I do. And uh, I don't know why I get emotional about, <laughs> about stuff, but it, I never used to when I was younger. I used to be quite hard-nosed and I suppose years in business and stuff like that. But these days I'm, I'm more sensitive, I think, to, to God. And, and there are times when his spirit speaks and I, 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 it causes an emotional response in my heart. And I, I find that that's often for me a trigger that God's doing something and moving a season change forward. And uh, it's so exciting. I'm so excited. You know, we, we celebrated an amazing year. You know, the Christmas period was fantastic. Then the various services were all really well attended. People gave their lives to Christ. We we're celebrating all the various things. Adam did a great job last week. And just to be coming into this year and talking about this, discovering my God-given capacity is amazing. And I, I'm still laughing at this image of this guy. I'm not quite sure where Adam got it from, but the crash helmet's too big and the wings are too small in my view. It looks like it's going to, you know, if you dived off something, like your wardrobe or something, you wouldn't really come up for air, would you? Kind of, but, um, but, you know, when I was a young kid, I, I said to the guys in the first service that, <clears throat> you know, I used to... Um, missional background and lived on a ship for a couple of years and I used to watch ships around me. It's amazing that what you look at and what you study, even if you're a young person, begins to leave an impression in your life and what you look at repeatedly. And uh, I just found myself drawing pictures of ships and I could probably today still draw you all the major components of an ocean-going tanker just because I used to do it when I was three or four or five years old. And uh, I also had this dream of being a helicopter pilot, not knowing what all that meant, but uh, um, probably a good job I never did that. <laughs> but uh, it's amazing how these things form in our minds as young children. And, and maybe you feel like you've never achieved what you hope to achieve, or maybe life's smashed into you sideways, or you're, you just never quite got the open door of opportunity. Maybe you did. Maybe you, you are just doing all the things you always dreamed of, and, uh, and it's good, but many people don't. And, uh, and this morning, as we go into this service, and as we go into this theme, Discovering My God-Given Capacity, I want to tell you this. God has got more than a plan for you. God is, in fact, I was speaking to a couple after the first service about, 
you know, they were just so excited about what God's doing in their situation. Let me just tell you this. So often we think that we have got to be right and perfect and got to get everything lined up before God does stuff with us. It's not true. Now, it helps to get things in, sh- in shape and get things sorted out. But let me just tell you this, that God has got more passion behind giving you what he's always planned to give you than you have. God's desire, his hunger, his enthusiasm. He is more excited about you discovering what's in your destiny, in your capacity that he's already prepared for you than you have. And so often we as human beings get caught up with what we see around us. And and that's why we're focusing on this series, because because we need to look at life differently. As believers, as spirit-filled, God-empowered, visionary-type people, we just need to be able to see what God's doing and get the clutter out of the way. And uh, in the first service, I also mentioned the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. And it's, a, it's quite a long story, so I'm not going to boil all the verses up. But in Genesis 37, we read about Joseph, son of Jacob. And Joseph, um, you know, he had to discover some stuff. He had to discover his life. He had to discover what he was about. And his dad gave him this amazing coat. And this coat... I thought, I would never give my son or my daughter something that was so different to everybody else. Because it's kind of setting them up for problems, isn't it? If you, you know, imagine, a, imagine a multi-colored... Would you do that, give your son a multi-colored dressing gown to walk around Bromley High Street? It's kind of going to attract the wrong kind of attention, in my view. Uh, you can see why the, the brothers, the 12 of them, you can see why the brothers would have uh, really kind of worked... Because they, they actually knew that Jacob, he really loved um, Joseph. And in fact, it says he's, in the scriptures, it says he was, you know, he was his favourite, which is not a great thing. I don't think parents should have favourites amongst their kids. I try not to. Uh, there are times, though, when test of patience and, uh, and washing up and clutter and all the other stuff does tend to prioritise one over. Anyway, so, but, but let me just say, and you all empathise with that, I know. But um, I just wouldn't have given Joseph a multicoloured dressing gown. I just, that's setting him up for problems. And... Um, but, you know, I, I was just thinking about his life. God had got a purpose for Joseph. And if you've not read the story, go back. It's just one of the most incredible stories in the Bible of, of destiny that was unpacked. But it's a discovery journey. And, and we have got to discover. The kingdom of God is about discovery. The kingdom of God is, is about, it's not about it all happened because he raised your hand to respond to the gospel. Now, somebody did that in the first service. And many people responded in the message to the way the Holy Spirit and God was challenging them around this topic. But that isn't the end point. That's just the beginning of the discovery process of what is happening in the kingdom. And, and it's exciting. And for Joseph, I, I rattled off a few P's in the first service because you know, he, he got himself into a major conflict with his, with his brothers. Um, and it was not a good thing. It was not a good thing. And he ended up in a pit. We know he ended up in a pit. And um, actually his cloak was taken from him smeared with blood and given back to his dad. We know that about it, but we don't know ultimately what happened to that cloak. Um, I guess Jacob looked after it. I guess that was his reminder of his son. But but you've got Joseph in the pit, and then he gets sold into slavery, and then he ends up being bought by Potiphar, and he gets promoted. There's quite a few peas rattling out through here. Um, So he gets promoted, uh, but then eventually, you know, there's a trumped-up charge against him. He gets put into prison. But then he gets discovered in prison in some of the darkest times of his life. And Pharaoh, another P, 
is, you know, his attention is drawn to, to, to him and eventually becomes the prime minister. And what an incredible journey of destiny that had to be discovered. And you can't describe and define how God's going to take you on that journey. But when you do, God will navigate you. But, you know, if, we, if our heart gets hard and we, we slide away from seeing God in our world, if we, even as Christians or people who put their trust in Jesus, you, you allow other things to pressurize you to look elsewhere, then even the tough times won't make sense and you'll get bitter. And, but Joseph is amazing, the story. I said to the guys in the first service, we never know what, knew what happened to that, that cloak. You know, ultimately, we don't know what happened to it. But one thing I do know is we don't read about it later on in the Bible. We don't hear about this cloak being framed, you know, smeared with blood. Because, because actually that's part of history that you don't really want to go back to. You want to move on from that. You want to move on. And you can't, you can't get stuck at a place in history. You can't. You've got, he had all the reasons to be stuck. But God's incredible liberty is that he unsticks people. He gets people out of their stuck places. He gets... God's the master of getting people out of stuck situations. And you might be in a stuck situation right now. Let me tell you, God is going to liberate that stuck situation. He's going to move you out of that. He just says, keep your eyes on me. Just put, in fact, maybe you've never put your eyes on Jesus. But just get your eyes focused on him. Try and understand what he's doing. And it'll work out. How? It's a mystery. But God brings all things together. So the first point is discovering. Discovering my God-given identity, discovery is the first part. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Seek. That's an obligation? Yes. You have to seek. You have to look for God. You have to, but it says seek the kingdom of God. That's interesting, isn't it? And what is the kingdom of God? How would you describe the kingdom? You know, we live in an earthly kingdom. We live in the United Kingdom. You may live you may have been born in another kingdom. You may have come from another country, another nation, another experience, another environment, another culture. But seek the kingdom of God above all else. But what is the kingdom of God? Is it a physical place? Is it just a spiritual place? I'll tell you what it is. It's the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ. That's what the kingdom of God is. It's the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ. So the kingdom of God is wherever the rule and reign of Jesus Christ is is present. So wherever you are and you establish the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ, his kingdom is there. That is incredible. God's kind of given you the ability to take his kingdom into wherever it needs to be. And you become not only an ambassador for that kingdom, but you carry the power of that kingdom. He fills you to be able to be um, someone who takes that kingdom into situations, the marketplace, your relationships, your situations. And you can be empowered by God to do incredible things. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. So it's not just, well, I think if you've got the rule and reign of Jesus Christ, you will live righteously. Because you realise that is way more important than other kingdoms that are around you. I was in the business world for many years and I know that business kingdoms get set up, commercial situations, all sorts of things set themselves up to challenge your faith and to challenge your trust in Jesus Christ. But we've just got to break through it. We have. We've just got to set our faces like flint and say, my commitment is the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. Jesus gave his life for me. Jesus gave his life on the cross. He paid the price for all my sins. He paid the price, the debt that I naturally would carry. 
Every person in creation carries a debt because of the sin in the world. And we know that Jesus paid the price for those debts. And as we put our trust in him, boy, we become the receivers of access to his kingdom and everything that comes with it. It's an exciting thing. It's not about attending church. Your end point is not to just come to BCC. Your end point is the kingdom of God. And that kingdom is dynamic. It's the rule and reign. And what does rule mean? It means his authority is the final authority. The reign means that when he calls something, he calls it. It's not for you to debate about it. It's not for you to, to argue and think, well, hang on, hang on, I, I prefer to do my thing. It's the rule of Jesus and the reign of Jesus. That means it's his tangible expression of his authority and his power in your life. That is where his kingdom is. And that's where the power is. As soon as you take him off the throne in your life, that power goes out of your life. I'm telling you, you'll be playing catch-up, trying to figure out what is going on. And then you're looking in the dark places. You don't know what, what it is. And he will give you everything you need. That's not, that's not just a promise. That's a statement of fact. He will give you everything you need. He will give you everything. So discovering. Our journey as a church is to discover individually and corporately what that means. Discovering. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. It's amazing. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. This is a very short parable that Jesus spoke. In his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. The guy knew what treasure was when he stumbled across it. He knew it. He didn't have to read the textbook. He didn't have to go and have a chat with his parents, have a chat with his wife. Is this treasure? He knew it. He knew treasure when he saw it. And when you know what treasure is, you go for it. And God is saying that my kingdom is like that. You know when you found treasure, you'll get rid of all the other stuff. In fact, everything else you've got of any value is nothing by comparison to the value of understanding the treasure of the kingdom of God. It's so powerful. Now, I know this speaks of salvation in one level, but it speaks of the journey of faith all the way through our Christian walk. It's about what we see as our priority and where we put our, tre- our own earthly treasures. And what would we give up just to know that it's treasure. When you've got God's kingdom and you've discovered that thing. In fact, the words behind that verse, um, when, a fa- when it says, which a man found and covered up, the word found actually relates directly to the word discovered. And you may say, well, he, was, he must have been looking for it if he found it. Well, he was. He was looking, at it, looking for something on a broad picture but he accidentally discovered it that's what that word really means that's what's behind that word and so as we walk our journey we are discovering we're looking but we are discovering almost accidentally what God has prepared we're walking across opportunities and situations it's very 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 exciting the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field what will we give up for it now who watched films over Christmas anybody Anybody watch The Sound of Music? Yes. I've got a few people. Who, yeah. I watched it for the first time in years, and I actually I had to turn it off in the end. But uh, films are great over Christmas. And um, I just want to make reference to a film I watched. I watched this film um, over Christmas. Does anyone know what this film is with Benedict Cumberbatch as the principal? What was that? The Imitation Game, of course, yeah. So Benedict Cumberbatch, of course... <laughs> You're waiting for that moment. You're waiting for that moment. 
Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> I'm going to get a 10 from the second row. We had a conversation last night, could I get the words Sherlock Holmes into the preach? Now, believe me, we never do this normally, but they didn't know I had Benedict Cumberbatch on screen this morning. But um, what I love is, when I saw this film over Christmas, and if you don't know the story behind um, the imagination game, the imitation game, the imagination, the imitation game, um, it's all about crack- it was all about cracking the, the Enigma code. It was something that nobody could crack. And, and of course, it was Second World War. And uh, ultimately, they did crack it. I'm not giving you the, the, the secret because everyone knows they did because that's what helped you know, win the war. But, but uh, the imitation game, extraordinary. Something, sometimes it's the people who no one imagines anything of who do the things that no one can imagine. I want to re- read that again. Sometimes it's the people who no one imagines anything of who do the things that no one can imagine. So maybe you feel like you're relatively insignificant. Maybe you feel that I'm stuck. I'm in a situation. I've got my routines mapped out. I've done my education. I've done, or I'm in my education. I've done this and I've done that. What next? What next? Let me tell you, there's a whole world of discovery in God's kingdom for you. It's exactly for you. And in the imitation game, we read, or we, we saw in the film, we know about the film, that the film emphasised um, Benedict Cumberbatch as the guy who cracks the code. But actually, it was a whole team of people. So, in terms of discovery, sometimes discovery is individual. But more often than not, you can't discover without other people in your world. You have to. That's why God created the church, the ecclesia, the body of people, his people. Why? Because there will be some things you just cannot discover on your own. He's made it like that. You can't live an independent life. You have to be in fellowship. Why? It's not so that we can say, oh, you've got to be in a life group. You've got to do the hard yards. You've got to be a good pet Christian and just do as you t-. It's not like that at all. It's that in small group fellowship, in authentic fellowship, where you're, you're being real and doing life with friends and, and in connection, you will discover that, that there's a whole kingdom thing going on in, in your collective world that, that you need those other people to be part of. It's not good enough just to be here on a Sunday. It's what's happening in the week. It's how you're rubbing shoulders with one another, how that iron is being sharpened. And discovery um, is an act of de- uh, detecting something new or something old that has not been known before. Something new or something old that's not been known before. I said to the guys earlier that... Um, I, I did put a lot of pressure on my back just before Christmas and it made it difficult to walk. And, uh, you know, I took some medical advice and I was on very high doses of painkillers. It was a great experience, the painkillers. I quite liked them. But then I found out they were addictive and I thought I've got to get off those. But um, it's, it was masking the, the problem. It was like, that will help relax the muscles and then the strain will go. But the trouble is it doesn't solve the, the cause. It didn't so, solve the cause. So um, I went to an osteopath and he didn't, figure it out. I went to a physio and they didn't isolate the problem. And then this last week I went to another physio and finally they were able to narrow down why I was having pressure in my lower back. And it goes right back to a sports injury from years ago in other parts of my hips and around my pelvis. And I I thought, wow, I could have been taking painkillers for years, patching over and putting the lower back under strain week in, week out. Now I've got a whole set of exercises to go and loosen it all up and allow me to kind of get my posture back into the right shape and in a sense it's what we're like as in life we could be in danger of kind of looking for a painkiller to get us through because there's a strain in your life and the trouble is that strain is not going to go away you may 
The trouble is, the more painkillers you take, the risk of addiction can kick in. And, and in fact, you're, you're not really discovering the real root cause of the issue. And God's purpose is, is to get to the issue. And sometimes you don't, you know, in other situations in our lives, we may not want to get to the issue because actually it's too painful to go there. And in my situation, physically, I got put under a lot of manipulative pressure. My body was being moved in different directions and it was uncomfortable. But I know I've got to do it. In fact, the, the physio said to me, you're going to have to do this, this whole string of exercises just to stretch yourself back out again so that you can function right. And I'm thinking, that's such a biblical parallel that we've got to allow ourselves to be stretched. And you can't do that on your own sometimes. You need someone to come in and help you be stretched. That's why relationship in the kingdom is so, so important. Discovering what God's got involves other people. Throw off your old sinful nature and the former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Ephesians 4. Tremendous, tremendous verse. We're going to our week of prayer and fasting with earthquake tonight. Who's looking forward to earthquake? Let me tell you, we may not have done earthquake justice, but it's a time when we get together, we just worship. There's a lot of people in the service. The first service was full as well. I, you know, it's going, we're going to get to the day when even our physical capacity has is, is run out in the church. Um, but tonight when we get together, we will, you know, those of you who are, who are seeking after things, look to what God's going to speak to you about for this evening. Maybe you could come with a word of knowledge. Maybe you could come with a scripture maybe you could come with with an anticipation that God's going to don't come and make something up don't don't because that will become visible what you do is you trust God you you know what what's he been showing you this week in your devotional times what what has God brought out of the scriptures what what do you sense God speaking to you in your prayer time this week these earthquake evenings are all about us sharing what the Holy Spirit is doing in our life and also singing and worshiping and each one is always different it's never the same Sometimes we, there's ministry with one particular area of the church and then other aspects of the church. And sometimes people get healed and sometimes people actually have come to a point of almost giving their lives to Christ in the meeting, strangely enough. Uh, isn't it amazing when you look back over the last year, two years, we've had people give their lives to Christ effectively because of coming to prayer meetings. Isn't that amazing in the church? And people getting healed in our meetings and telling us after the service, something happened to my my, me in the meeting and I can't explain it but something happened it's so exciting so so exciting so discovery is part of our journey and uh, it means that we've got to be able to look differently we've got to be able to think differently and ask differently so as we come to earthquake tonight and that kick starts the whole week of prayer why don't you decide that actually I, I will give up something that I really love you know and I looked on the internet this week because I, I was thinking of, of, of whether I should read another book, and I was looking for the bestseller list. And in the top 10, in fact, the top four bestsellers right now in the UK of, the, of published books are all books about food. <laughs> and six of the top 10 are all about food. It's like this country is completely dominated by the thinking of food. And as we come into the new year, it's all about how can I eat more healthily? How can I not eat so much fatty stuff? And all that stuff, and then all the exercise routines kicking in. Well, actually, we're going to stop eating food and get ourselves spiritually attuned to what God's doing. It's going to be exciting. And uh, anything can happen. We need to look differently, think differently, ask God differently. Uh, There's a quote I like, and it's this. The real voyage of discovery consists not in seeing new landscapes, but in having new eyes. Having new eyes. Now, this isn't out of the Bible. This is 
uh, a Proust um, quote, but I like it. I like it. It's very much the way God would, would say we should do things. Look at things differently. It's not about just seeking another sensation. It's not like going to the ends of the earth to get another experience. It's about seeing differently. In some ways, uh, in the imitation game, that was what their journey was. Cracking the code was about seeing what was there, but looking at it differently and figuring out what, what was going on, what had to change. So when we look at things differently, when we see things differently, and we trust God to guide us, you might have your whole world illuminated around you. Relationships, situations, work, spiritual matters. There's a whole area of discovery right in front of you. And together as a church, we will work and walk together as we go through prayer and fasting. It's going to be a great opportunity. And we know that... Um, we know that God wants to speak to us. We know it. We know it. We know it. And somehow, I love the Francis Chan quote. I think I might you know, write that down. Reverence Jesus. Even Jesus fasted. And Jesus is our saviour. He did it. He prayed. Sometimes we think, oh, I'm just too busy. I, I've just got too much on. I can't, I can't, I, you know, I've got all this stuff to do at home. Hang on a second. Even Jesus, your saviour, prayed. And Jesus fasted. And he adopted that reverential nature before God. So don't get proud. Don't get independent. Don't get arrogant. Get humble. God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So first point, discovery. Discovery is an exciting thing. Second point, that it's God-given. It's not man-given. Your discoveries will be God-given, not man-given. It's, if you're waiting for an elder or a pastor or a life group leader to make that decision for you, it's not going to happen. It's about a God-given thing. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things uh, he planned for us, the good things he planned for us long ago. We brought that out last Sunday in, in, the, um, in the communion service. And I felt God speaking to me then about it. And, and I can't just go away from this verse. We are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus. You are not what you were born, you are what you are born again into. So you are changed by Jesus Christ. You are changed. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Let me tell you this, that unless we come to Jesus Christ, until we enter his kingdom, until we put our trust and, and faith in the rule and reign of Jesus, we'll be doing it ourselves, And we will never discover what he's created anew for us in Christ. We have to go through that process. Maybe you're in the service today and you're thinking, well, I've not given my life to Christ, not trusted Jesus as Saviour. Well, then what God has prepared for you can't be unpacked because you, you have to come through Jesus Christ so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And what's more is those good things become eternal things. They become eternally relevant things. What we build in this life takes us into the next. But it's God-given. It's God-given. You know, problems are not a setback, but a setup when we come into faith with Jesus Christ. And maybe you've been in a situation recently where there's so many difficulties around your world. But let's just change the way we look at them. It's not a setback. It's a set up. It's a set up, an opportunity for things to change. Just like Joseph. Um, just extraordinary, extraordinary opportunities. God given. For the Lord your God is living among you. He's a mighty saviour. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all of your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. I love this verse. I've been meditating on this recently in Zephaniah. It's an unusual book in the Bible. And to pull out Zephaniah 
3.17. Not a verse I've really meditated on much in the past, but this shows us right back in the Old Testament that God absolutely knows who you are. He knows who I am. God is amazing. For the Lord your God is living among you. He's alive, living. He's a mighty He wants personal, deep personal relationship. He's a mighty saviour. He will take delight in you. You may not take delight in yourself. You may have enough going on in your world to put yourself down. Others might be doing that to you. You might be getting criticism. You might, but God, it says, he will take delight in you with gladness. He will take delight in you. There is a God who created heaven and earth is taking delight in you. He's wanting, he's so excited. I mean, I think all heaven is just excited about what we can discover in our relationship with him. Um, he, would, he is taking delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. Why? Because God knows fears are the thing that block us down. They close us down. They keep us feeling intimidated. They stop us moving out. They stop us moving into that risky space. They stop us going to the place where God is going to do an amazing thing. And it says, he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Who's, who sings in the shower? Who sings when they're not happy? Nobody. Or maybe one or two. I've got people saying, yes, I sing all the time. But can you really sing? (laughs) Or do you just sound good to yourself? (laughs) Um, But, you know, it says, he will rejoice over you with joyful songs. You know why he sings and why he's rejoicing? Because he loves you. He thinks more about you than you think about you. He absolutely takes delight in you. God loves you so much. There is nothing you can do to separate yourself from him. You know, he has called you. He He is changing you. He is rejoicing over you. He's got a whole choir in heaven. It's bigger than our Christmas choir. <laughs> Quite a bit bigger. And the guys with trumpets, they can really blow a mean tune, let me tell you. But God is rejoicing over you personally with joyful songs. He's celebrating what you're doing. Yes, it might be difficult. Yes, you might have run into a t- difficult situation. But I'm telling you, he's rejoicing over you. Why? Because he knows what he's prepared for you already. That's why he's rejoicing, because he knows your inheritance, and he knows what your future is all about. The trouble is we lose sight of it. So we, you know, if we're going to bring ourselves in line with what he's doing in our life, we discover through God uh, the capacity he's got prepared for us. So we're in a process of exciting discovery. I love the Brené Brown quote, Vulnerability is not weakness, but our most accurate measurement uh, of courage. Vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation, creativity, and change. Now, Brené is a secular academic a U- from the U.S., but very... I mean, if you've ever watched the, the, the TED downloads, the TED Talks, I think she's been downloaded millions and millions of times. And I've, I even spoke to someone this week who was just saying how incredible Brené's thoughts are in this space. But they're brilliant thoughts. Why? Because vulnerability is not weakness. In fact, God says, be vulnerable with me. Don't be hard-nosed with me. God loves soft hearts. He loves warm hearts. Don't be stubborn with me. Don't don't tell me what I can and can't do. God says, be vulnerable with me. Be vulnerable. Vulnerability is not weakness, but the most accurate measurement of courage. Vulnerability. Why? Because when we are weak, then God's power works powerfully within us. That's the amazing secret of the kingdom of God. You don't have to be perfect, and you don't have to know everything, and you don't have to get everything right all the time. Just him in your life and you being submitted to him makes you, uh, puts you in a position where you're incredibly effective. Vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation, creativity and change. Amazing, isn't it? Amazing. I love it. I love the thoughts that, that Brené brings out uh, in her book. It's just, just extraordinary thoughts. God-given. 
God-given. If we think it's from somewhere else, it's, it's not. God is giving us from his throne room what we need to have. God-given. And then capacity. Third point, the capacity. Discovering my God-given capacity. It's yours to pick up. It's yours to own. It's not anybody else's. You know, I look at the front row. Rob's sitting there. God has prepared capacity for Rob that is not the same as Carl's capacity. It's different. But you know what? The power of the two things working together could be enormous. But the capacity of the individuals coming together is extraordinary. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Great verse. We know that in our church over the last 18 months to two years, Isaiah 37 verse 30. It came up last week. It came up repeatedly last week, last year. It's in our prayer meetings. In the third year, you will sow and see a harvest. Isaiah 37 30. And we know that God has given us the seed already. You don't have to go figure out where the seed is. It's in your house. It's in your world. It's in your pocket. It's in your relationships. It's in, it's in what you already have. God's already given you bucket loads of seed. The trouble is we're looking around at other people and thinking, oh, I haven't got what they've got. I haven't got, I haven't got the time they've got. I haven't got the resource they've got. I haven't got the relationships. I haven't got the privileges they've got. Uh-uh. Look at the widow's might. Look at, look at those who have nothing. It's not about having loads. It's about having something. It's having something. Not having loads of something. It's having something. And as, you, as God gives you and as you're supplied and you sow and you actively plant, you watch. God's already said it. So in this verse it says that he supplies the seed. And we've read from Isaiah 37.30 that when we plant we're going to see a harvest and it's going to multiply. Now I tell you this. I believe that because God's blessing and favour is on this church. This week, twice, two very significant men have spoken to me, not in our church, have said God's favour is resting on this church. And when God's favour is resting on something, whatever you put your hand to tends to produce good stuff. That's the way it is. God's favour comes with blessing. So I know right now, you may just be sitting in this church thinking, well, maybe one day. But let me tell you, whatever you sow, you will reap. And you may be sowing into things that are not particularly kingdom. You will reap because God's favour is on the church and multiplication is in this place. I'm telling you, it is. So be careful what we do with the seed we've got and look at where we're putting it. But um, he will supply more seed and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. However you scatter, however you choose to plant, God is going to multiply. Why don't we choose this week, God, show me where best to plant the seeds that you're giving me. Whatever it might be. Show me where it's to be. So God's capacity is amazing. Now, um, I, w- I want to just share one other thing. Battery capacity. I had this coming into my head constantly yesterday. Um, capacity is illustrated well when you look at the, the idea of a battery. That wh- why, why look at a battery? Because capacity in a battery is the amount of energy that that battery can hold multiplied by the time or the duration that that energy can come out of that battery. That's how you know the the capacity of a battery. Now, if you're into physics, you'll know that. That the capacity of something like a battery is to hold electrical charge, that energy to hold it and then to release it. And capacity is two things for human beings. It's the ability to hold more and then to deliver more, to to be able to make things happen, to be fruitful and to, to, to... the capacity's got this dual function to it. It's the amount of energy or power or uh, capa- you know, uh, 
electrical, in the case of a battery, the electrical charge that's inside there, the ampage, and then the length of time that battery can run for shows you the, the equation for what a battery's capacity is. Now, human beings, it's the same. What can you hold and how long can you keep the flow of power going through your life? But in fact, capacity is part of the equation for power as well. If your capacity is low, your power will be low. Let me tell you. Sometimes believers, Christians, they think, well, we just pray for God's power, but actually in their life, the capacity is so reduced because they're not really walking well that actually the power, they're just totally dependent only on God stepping in. But God says, I will give you. I will give you. We become the ones who carry God's presence, his capacity, capacity into situations. So God wants his power to rest in your life. We know that from the prophets of the Old Testament, the disciples in the New Testament. God wants power. You know, Peter's shadow, that's because that man was a man of huge capacity. But more than that, he was extending. God was extending that capacity. And there may be people in our meeting today, and your capacity is, you know, you feel drained. Actually, your, your capacity really is at an all-time low at the moment because actually you've got the, you've got the potential, but, but actually there's not a lot of energy in there. There's, there, there isn't the... You know, it, it needs a recharge. And it's a bit like the, the battery with the red line in it. You're, you're at a recharge point. And maybe you're in, at the yellow point where actually you're kind of there or thereabouts. You're kind of ticking over. Um, you know, you can keep going for a while. The, the light's on, but it's dim. <laughs> you know, but maybe you are absolutely full. And maybe you are absolutely full to capacity right now. And when, when that light goes on, boy, it's illumination time. <laughs> I've got a torch at home, you know, it's a fantastic thing. It's like a, a thousand lumen or something. You turn this thing on, it's a tiny little torch designed to actually sit on a bike helmet. And I can, I can shine it when I go snowboarding. I can shine it on a cliff. It is so powerful, this little torch. I can literally pick out at night time the, you know, the dynamics of the cliff and the waterfalls. It's amazing. I love, I love taking it with me to the Alps. But, um, but you know, if the, if the capacity is there, but actually there's no power in it, because, because you're drained, you're, you're going to feel like things aren't working out. And what I believe God's going to do for us is to, to recharge those who need, need to have that capacity built back up again. To recharge, to, to stop it being a dull light, to make you strong. But this is the amazing thing about God. God not only can get you to the capacity you currently have, he can completely transform the battery and make you a whole lot bigger. Because it's a spiritual dynamic we're talking about. He can replace your small capacity and make you into a huge capacity but you have to let that thing flow it's designed to let the power flow if the power's not flowing through your life that capacity in a sense isn't discharging in other words if you're charged it's got to go somewhere you were never created just to just to be a smart looking duracell battery doing nothing you're meant to be plugged in to operate, to bring power into situations and that's what God wants to do and so when we're discovering God's given capacity my God's given God's my God-given capacity. It's, we're going to touch all sorts of topics over the next few weeks. Can I have the band with me? Would you join me? Um, we're going to touch all sorts of different things because God wants to touch areas of our life where we're actually our charge is low. Our, we feel like maybe we're a bit run down. Actually, God's going to get that energy going. He's going to build that capacity back up. But more importantly, I think he's going to bring a whole new dyna- dy- dyna- dynamics and dimension of capacity. There's stuff going on right now in the life of the church, and I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, God, you're changing people. You're changing. They're going from being kind of where they are today, but I can see in your lives, I can see 
there's a whole dynamic of change going on. I'm looking at Eric and Lisa right now, and you guys are about to completely move your life with your family to Macedonia. That is amazing. Who'd have thought a few years ago that, that we would be actually launching a family to pick up the ministry that God has been developing through the life of this church? It's just a, so, so for you guys, God's going to extend your capacity. You may feel a little bit low right now. I'm telling you, he's just going to fill that stuff back up and you are going to be one almighty resource. I believe it. So even though you may see the circumstances of your situation and it feels like, is God really in this? I'm telling you, of course he is. Just like Joseph. You know, just like the scenario that you have to go through, you've just got to go through it. But look where he ended up. I'm telling you, for us as a church, as we work together, there'll be many people like this that you'll be seeing. That You may be new to faith. You may be thinking, I don't understand half of what this guy's talking about. But let me say that God's Spirit will rest on you and He will fill you up. You don't have to artificially make this stuff up. God is going to fill your life. He wants you to be in the green zone. But more than that, He wants to make you even bigger. Why? Because together, we become stronger. We become able to deliver the things that God wants in all sorts of different situations. So as we come to the end of our, our service and our talk, I just want us to reflect on that for a moment. God, what are you doing in my life? Am I kind of holding back? Am I making myself vulnerable How, am I really discovering am I and maybe you are but am I looking to the wrong source it's actually God who is your source let's get our minds in a discovery mode let's get our minds into looking at the right source and then let's just realize that God's gonna he's got his agenda is to expand your capacity that's what he's and that's our job as a church is to be an environment where your capacity can grow as big as God's got a dream for it to grow, as, God, as big as God's got a plan for it to grow. It's not for us to minimize it, it's for us together to work together, to bring our weirdness, because some of us are really weird, bring all our weird things together. Don't be weird and stand out and be different in terms of a wacky way, but just work together, bring your weirdness under control. Some of you need to get your weirdness under control and work together. So why don't we stand, Adam, take us to a song. I want us to reflect, I want us to reflect right now. And think about what God said to us this morning and we'll sing this song and then I'll close the meeting. Thank you.